Hey, it's Misty and Liz. We're two women who don't know shit about literature, but we love to hang out and talk about the books we've read. And everything else on our minds. So get cozy, grab a drink, and let's get started. Hey y'all, it's Liz. I have forced my husband, Jamie, to join me on this week's episode. So this is our Valentine's Day special. What do you have planned for me for Valentine's Day? Uh, well, I figure... What what day is Valentine's Day? I think it's actually on a Monday. Oh, well, putting your ass to work. You, you gotta go to work on Monday. I don't like Happy it. Valentine's Day. Are you cooking? Mm, I might cook something. We probably need to eat dinner. Cooking something good? I hadn't thought that far ahead yet. Alright, well, honestly, I thought our Valentine's would be whenever we go to that Mardi Gras ball. Oh, well, on yeah, Saturday that sounds before. good. Before. Get dressed up, look pretty, go mm, eat some food. Yeah. Get drunk and dance. Sounds fun to me. All right. It sounds like a good Valentine's Day. Do you love to read? No. You read articles every single day. Yes, I do. You look I at your phone articles, constantly. Yes. Yeah, but I'm not one to sit there and hold a book. Yeah, so you do know how to read, just not books. <laughs> yeah, I know how to read. <laughs> okay, good. I've okay. read uh, my fair share of books. And what were your favorite types of books? Um, Pretty much anything I could get my hands on. You didn't have like one that really stuck out, like one of your favorite Books? Um, well, I mean, I read a lot of Clive, what was it, Clive Cussler books about, I don't know yeah, yeah, there were some Clive Cussler books, or series. He sounds with, like he should be a camel. If uh, I had a camel, I would name him Clive. Oh, he had, uh, some, like, adventure series Okay, books. so you like probably adventure thriller type books? Yeah. Mm, kind of man books. Yeah, I read those. Okay. Read some of those, but I also read, you know, like, like Dracula and... I did start to read Dianetics, and that was terrible. I'd always remembered uh, the infomercials whenever I was a kid. There were infomercials and commercials on TV for L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics, you know? There and, were? Oh, absolutely. Scientology was a thing then? Well, no, it was a commercial for the book. Okay. But it didn't really tell you exactly what it was, but Dianetics was actually the foundation for Scientology. So it's like whenever people post on Facebook, look how good I'm doing with this workout plan. DM me for more. It was like that. <laughs> it was maybe. like a, a hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I, but a commercial. I, I don't know exactly how the whole Scientology thing formed, but yeah, Dianetics did have a part in it. So not a good book. No, no, it didn't really capture my attention. I was it talking about you know clearing your mind and being clear and all this, and it was going back to to like telling you about you know how subconsciously things that happen to you as a baby could affect you know how you act as an adult. Zero memories of my childhood, so I don't know how. Right. Maybe it is affecting me. Do I need to be fixed? Probably not. They have a I Scientology mean, building behind the Boy Scouts down there on Airline Drive. Yeah, I mean, go right ahead. <laughs> you, you, you don't feel love that me. strongly about it. <laughs> okay, well, this book we're getting into today kind of deals with like bending time and going back in time. Are you a big fan of the time travel theme? Yeah, well, who doesn't like time travel? I fucking love it. Yeah. You know what I need to get into is Doctor Who. I don't know how <laughs> loving like. Time travel and, like, magical things, I've not really gotten into that. I completely miss the whole Doctor Who train. Yeah, I don't really know much or about TARDIS. Doctor Who. I miss the Doctor Who TARDIS. That's not the guy who talks to animals, right? What? That's Doctor Mr. Doolittle. I don't know. <laughs> There's too many Doctor <laughs> people. Do you remember Quantum Leap? 
I do remember Quantum Leap. Whenever I watched you were it. My, yeah, my mom and dad used to watch it when I was a my kid. My mom and dad, well, my mom watched it. My dad went around a whole lot. It's on like Netflix or something. I've watched a couple episodes as an adult and I need to watch some more of those. I just don't really have time for TV. Did I tell you that the kids and I binge watched the whole second season of The Secrets of Sulphur Springs on Disney while you were on a cruise? Really? You're yeah. telling me that now <laughs> in the middle of this freaking podcast? <laughs> so you're mad about it. It's a good show, huh? If you've got I can't, kids, like for real, yeah. If you've got kids, Secrets of Silver Springs on Disney is a good one to watch. It's so I watched the first season uh-huh. with you and the kids, uh-huh. and then you watched the second season without me. I feel betrayed here. Okay, well you so, were in Mexico. Mm. I feel betrayed. It was really good though. The kids and I actually watched it on like school nights and everything. Mm. I don't know how we did that. You know what? I didn't cook. We like you slapped don't. a sandwich together, and sat down in front of the TV. So. You can watch Here's a lot bowl of... bowl of cereal. Mom made dinner. Exactly. I cooked you some cereal, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Eat it. Mom's making dinner. What are we having? Pickle soup. <laughs> I did make pickle soup not that long ago, and everyone liked it. Yeah, but doesn't it sound like a thing that you would make? Oh, God. Pickle it was so soup. good. In fact, I think Mom's make making it. dinner. What is it? Pickle soup. <laughs> that shit was good. It actually was pretty good. What are some of your favorite time travel movies and stuff, though? Well, I think... Books, the big movies? one would be Back to the Future. Yeah. That's another one that I read back in the day was The Time Machine by H.G. Wells. I read that. and They literally that- brought that <clears throat> book up in The Secrets of Sulphur Springs. They, they figure out who invented the time machine, and he's carrying around the H.G. Wells book. Okay. And then that was a movie, like, I don't know. It seemed like like it was on TBS or TNT or USA or something, like, all the time when I was a kid. So I've seen bits and pieces of it. And then, I don't know, the one we watched, I don't know, probably a couple of years ago or whatever on Netflix, uh, Dark. Oh that God. one was very, it was good. It was really good, but it was, it got to be a little confusing too. Kind of like this book that right. we're about to talk about. While we were reading this book, I was thinking, I wonder if our neighbor Laura has made... A, a flow chart. A flow chart of <laughs> she, this book. Because she did the flow chart she, for Dark. Oh my god! And I I referred back to that flowchart while we were watching <laughs> yeah, Dark. Was, yeah, she sent us a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, she's very detail oriented. Yes, bless her because it really did help watching that. That series was crazy. It was. So it was entertaining though. I enjoyed this. It series. was. Right? I don't think I could have handled another season. <clears throat> it been too much for my little measly brain to handle. Whenever I was little, I read A Wrinkle in Time, which pretty much everyone reads that, and. Puck Everlasting was really good. That one's not exactly about like time travel, but it is about stretching time and immortality and like deals with times. Mm. Like, you know, still magical time stuff. And recently I read a book called Here and Now and Then, which was almost similar. It was very similar to this book, but almost like it wasn't a YA book, but almost like a YA book of this book. It's like a secret agent has to go back in time and then he gets stuck. And like You mean young adult? Yeah. 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 I'm not Misty. So, you know, like <laughs> you're going to have to not use abbreviations for things. So sorry. And then recently our neighbor Christy texted me and asked me if I watched Outlander. I was like, no, thank you. I don't watch Westerns. <laughs> she was like, it's not a Western. What the fuck is wrong with you? I watched one episode and it's kind of a slow burn, old timey time travel. 
So at first I almost wanted to turn it off because it was a little slow. And then I was like, well, no, no, no. Let me just, let me just give it some time. Sometimes those first episodes are kind of weird to get into. Yeah. And she ends up like going back in time and meeting someone. So I really want to watch more episodes. It's just not kid friendly and I don't have a lot of kid free time to watch TV. But there's like two or three seasons of it, so. Yeah, I think the pinnacle for me, though, was Back to the Future. And specifically Back to the Future 2. Because although I watched Back to the Future, the original, I think it came out whenever I was like four or five. So I've watched it, but I was a little young. But whenever Back to the Future 2 came out, I think it was like 88, 89. So I'm like eight or nine years old. You know, it was super cool. You know, went to the future and it was like flying cars and the hoverboards and everything. So, and plus we had it on VHS, so... I've watched that movie a million times as a kid. With Back to the Future, we've caught up with it. So it's fun to compare it. But I have a hard time. Whenever I was in school, third or fourth grade, we had to draw a picture of what we thought the future looked like. And I drew school planes. So it was like literally airplanes. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh, like not a school bus? Yeah, a school plane. Okay. But I think I was thinking of the Jetsons. I really liked the Jetsons when I was little. I thought that was so... Did you ever watch the Jetsons? Mm, A little bit. Not really. But That's why I named our our, like robot vacuum. I Mm -hmm. named it Rosie because the maid's name was Rosie Mm, on the Jetsons. I do remember that. Yeah, it's fun whenever you can like look at it and compare it. Okay, I was listening to one of my pod friends episodes this week it's the tipsy exchange and they were actually talking about time travel it's a short episode like 30 minutes long or something and it's really funny it's two ladies and they're just kind of like misty and i just laughing and chatting and they were talking about these people that claim to be from the future that are here now have you ever heard of john teeter teetor um i've never heard of that name but i have come across on the internet or youtube or something that there are like Two or three different people out there right now that claim to be from the future. This guy says that he was from the future and he came back and she was like, why would you come back? If you could time travel, why wouldn't you go forward? That doesn't make any sense, which I'm like, agree. And then the other person talked about this guy named Sebastian and they actually did a documentary on him called The Confessions of a Time Traveler, Man from 3036. Mm. And he came here and he had like no hair and he just said all this crazy shit. And they finally checked him down and interviewed him and he claimed to have like a chip in his hand. And they were like, well, can we x-ray it? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. And there was something there. And then he also claimed that in the future, you didn't have hair and everything. There were so many like waves in the air that you had a lot of like metals and stuff in your blood. And they tested his blood and said that he did have like an insane amount of metals and things in his blood. They were like, this is nothing that we've ever seen before. Is that the teeter guy? No, No, this is a different guy. guy. His name's Sebastian. And then I think they went back to interview him again and he was, he was dead. Somebody murdered him. Was this like a hoax or like the, was the film part of it a hoax or, but it seemed, I don't know. It was a really funny episode. I laughed a lot. So that one was cool. But then it made me think, let me get on TikTok and find some time travelers. And there's this guy that I found and he, He's like clearly using a green screen. He's like, I'm here at Walgreens in the year 1986. This is definite proof. And then like as soon as a car starts to come into view or like somebody starts walking, it cuts off. Mm. And then there's one where he's in front of this like really old looking Dairy Queen sign. 
And he's got like the bottom <clears throat> half of the phone covered up with his hand. And I'm like, well, that is a really old sign. And then somebody in the comments like, hey, that's my local Dairy Queen sign. Like, <laughs> so I don't think he's time traveling. Right, right, right. Also, there's one where he goes back to the dinosaurs. And I'm like, something would happen to your phone in that space time continuum to where you couldn't record, right? Or else the dinosaurs would eat you. I don't know. Um, He definitely wouldn't have cell service um i kind of thought i was time traveling the other day in new orleans because i rode past a convenience store and there was a lady on a payphone a real payphone there's still a payphone somewhere in there new orleans there was a payphone in new orleans east on chef highway at some convenience store and i, I thought it was, was amazing calling. but i thought it was really cool to view i wonder if it still costs 25 cents <clears throat> didn't it go up to 35 cents I at some it point went up to 50 Goal! 50 whole cents? 50 whole cents. You could borrow someone's cell phone for free. Mm-hmm. Everyone has one of those in their pocket. All right. So we read the book Recursion by Blake Crouch. I could not find a whole lot on him on the internet, except for that he was from Statesville, North Carolina. He was born in 1978. And then I stalked his Instagram, and I saw that I think he has a wife and some kids, and he definitely has a dog. Okay. I saw this staircase, and I'm like, that reminds me of this book called The Starless Sea. You've heard me talk about The Starless Sea before. And I kept scrolling, and then he had actually posted The Starless Sea down on his Instagram. Hmm. There's not a whole lot of books on his Instagram, so I thought that was kind of crazy. But then I listened to some podcasts about him, and I found out that I'm pretty sure he lives in Durango, Colorado. Seems like all the cool people live in Colorado. Colorado seems like a fun state to live in. It's pretty. It is pretty. pretty there, you know? I have a friend, and he moved to Colorado, and I show you his sunsets from his deck all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's in Colorado. Yeah, Why nice. do they have prettier sunsets? Mm, that's the mountains. They do it. Anyway, I started listening to this podcast called Astral Hustle, but Apple kept turning it off and closing it out and whatever. The guy who hosts that, Corey Allen, he has like the silkiest, most luxurious voice I've ever heard on anyone. Oh, wow. So I need to listen to that one some more. But so I had to switch to a different podcast called Page One Podcast. And Blake Crouch was being interviewed. And he started off saying that he started telling his little brother bedtime stories. So that's how he started getting into telling stories. And then he was writing fan fiction for like Twin Peaks. And I think he said Star Trek, although that could be wrong. Did you ever watch Twin Peaks? Mm, No. I don't even know what it is, but no surprise because I don't ever watch any TV. He studied English and creative writing in college, and his first novel came out in 2004 called Desert Places. So I think he's best known for his Wayward Pines trilogy because it was made into a TV series. Yeah, I've heard of that. I looked it up earlier. I was going to make Kaylee watch an episode with me before we started recording, and you have to have Hulu... We don't have Hulu, so I got to get Brittany's password so I can watch this. But I think it's got like Matt Dillon in it, like a big name person. And then the reason I picked this book is because I read Dark Matter a few years ago. And I can't even tell you what it is, but it's also kind of another time travel thing. And there ends up being like multiples of the same character. And he has to like fight himself to get in the right world. And it's really crazy, but it was a really good book. It stuck with me. So I was like, oh, well, this one's probably really good, too. And they're very similar, but there are some differences. But I think that one's being made into a series on Apple+. Plus. It's funny, though, because our friend Allie texted me this morning a picture of someone from a basketball game. And she was like, oh, I found Jamie's doppelganger. Hmm. 
And I was like, oh, there's multiple <coughs> Jamies. And that happens a lot. Like, how many times? Yeah, Ty sent us that picture of that guy in the restaurant. And he was like, I swear this dude looks just like you. And he went over there and met him and, like, took a picture with him and everything. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. I have people call or text me all the time being like, oh, I started watching this show and he looks just like Jamie. Oh, so yeah. you've got, like, a ton of doppelgangers. Oh, yeah, that's weird. This podcast I listened to was pretty cool. It, he covered like his writing process and he said that he would rather take like three years between books and write a really good book rather than just churn them out, which was crazy because a couple weeks ago I listened to uh, Colleen Hoover. I want to say Colleen Hoover. Colleen Hoover's webinar and she had just finished a book called Reminders of Him. And she said that she was actually writing three books at one time. So she's finished one and she's still working on the other two because she has three deadlines with three different publishers. Oh, yeah. I remember you watching that that night. Yeah. I thought that that was so crazy because Colleen Hoover, Colleen Hoover? Hoover is a really well-known. It's kind of like Cooper and Cuffer. You can't she's get a really, She's a really well-known author. And I think it's funny that there's just so many different processes that these authors go through. And he's like. Nope, I want to think about things for months before I even outline something. Mm. And then he started, he starts writing a book, and he doesn't really know how it's going to end. So, I don't know. I thought that was kind of crazy. I don't think I could ever be, ever be an author. I would throw it away. Never be good enough. Yeah, it would never be. Although, he did say that the final product is, like, edit number seven or eight. And he does chunk, like, the second half of the book fairly oh, often God. and starts over. I thought recursion was, like, fairly new. But it came out in like 2018 or so. Okay. And he's actually got another book coming out later this year in July called Upgrade. So I wonder what that one's about. I don't know. I'm going to need some time <clears throat> from this book to be able to process that book because his books can get a little crazy. So he said with recursion, what do you, the kind of the idea for recursion came down to like he was trying to think of what was. What was the most precious thing we have and like what makes us? And he came up with memories, which is very Song of Achilles. Okay. And recursions being made into a series on Netflix. We're going to have that's, lots of <clears throat> late crouch things to watch. And that's what, whenever I was reading it, to me, and I haven't even read a bunch of books in a, in a while, but it felt to me like this is a book that's written to be made into a show or a movie or something. It really does. And in his interview, he said that a lot of books these days seem to be more character driven and inside the minds of characters. And he doesn't like it. He calls it like fluff and he thinks that it's like almost cheating. He wants a lot of things to happen in his novel, which is a lot of things happen and mm -hmm. you don't get a lot of insight into the character. So he says he likes to cut that out and he likes screenplay almost as much as or more than writing a book because in screenplay you you don't get that inner dialogue you you have to show it you can't tell it mm -hmm. so he works on some of the screenplays for like uh wayward pines and dark matter he said with recursion writing the book actually broke his brain and he wanted nothing to do with writing that screenplay and i'm like yeah. same brother yeah like there's no way Right. I'm going to have a hard time watching that, I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> it might be easier to keep up with on the movie, though. Maybe, You're right. maybe so. To visualize things a little bit. Whew. Yeah. All right. So some of his favorite books are Exhalation by Ted Chiang, Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Did you ever read that? No. Okay. 
and <laughs> no. Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. I didn't read that either. Didn't, I saw the movie. I saw the movie. Okay, I saw the movie of that one too. But that one was pretty cool because he said that one was actually the ultimate high concept book that made him want to be a writer. So that's a pretty powerful statement. Yeah. Some of his favorite films are Alien. Is that the one with Sir, Gurney, Sir Gurney Weaver? Yeah. And Inception because of fucking course it is. This mm. whole, this book made me think of Inception. Yeah. Inception well, was so I, hard to know, keep I up with. I didn't think of it, but now that you say it. Yeah, a little bit. Feels like I'm slipping into a dream within a dream. Mm. You know that song? No. Really? I don't know what song you're talking about. Okay. One last Blake Crouch tidbit that I have for you is one of his last tweets says, I don't even want to try to figure out what NFTs are. And now I feel way less dumb because I've, we've been talking about MF, MF, NFTs for like a hot minute now and i'm always like i don't get it and you always try to tell me and i'm like i can't do it with my head right yeah the the nfts are i don't need you to explain it to I me know. i'm not gonna they're, get it. they're weird i understand what they are but i don't understand why well some lady commented and she said that her child told her that people use real money to buy fake money to buy digital things that they can get somewhere else that makes sense. Yeah. Also, I read that yesterday that... Uh, oh, you read? Was yeah. it in a book? No, it was an article. <laughs> you do read a lot of articles. I can say <clears throat> I've never seen you read a book, but I think about 75% of your sentences to me start with, I read an article today. Yeah. I like sentences. to have a lot of useless knowledge in my brain. Uh-huh. I was looking at tiger droppings. Yeah, I read a lot of tiger droppings too, but uh, I have a lot of good information on there. I think it was, I don't know, six hundred million dollars or six million it was six i think it was six hundred million was spent on virtual real estate in the metaverse or in not necessarily metaverse but virtual i'm sorry cisco virtual areas yeah online last year so for you to pay for real estate that's online but it's online isn't that infinite not in certain spaces that are online. There's so many people with so much money. I just need one of those people to decide they need a personal assistant and that I would be the most perfect person for it. And then we'd be set. Yeah. There's, we'd there's, be, be set. It'd be great. You could stay. You could be a stay-at-home dog dad. Oh, worst nightmare. All right. Do you need more coffee before we get into this book summary? Mm, sure. Yeah? All right. We'll take a break. Hello, dear listener. We're interrupting your regular podcast with an invitation. Yep, you're invited to join us at the Tipsy Exchange, where your hosts get tipsy and exchange ideas on a specific topic. Pop culture, true crime, unexplained phenomena. Nothing's off limits on the Tipsy Exchange. So grab a drink and visit thetipsyexchange.com to find the show on Apple, Spotify, or whatever is your favorite podcast app. I'm Burley. I'm L.A. Now back to the show. So I guess it's time to get into the actual summary of this book. You're going to have to let me know if I get something wrong because I did my summary and then I actually went back online and read a summary on the bibliophile.com to like check my summary. Mm -hmm. But this book is a lot. You're never even going to notice if I get anything wrong, I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> Are you ready? Sure. 
Okay. Fire away. So we start off in 2018, and NYPD detective Barry Sutton is called to the scene of a potential jumper on top of a building. It's a woman named Anne, and she has FMS, and she's like, stay back. I have FMS. So it's like, I don't know, COVID? What is it, a cold? No idea. Turns out it is false memory syndrome, and she just, she can't bear to live anymore. So it's this new disease where someone suddenly can recall multiple timelines in their life. She has this one timeline that she knows is real and she's married to someone, but then this other timeline just like occurred to her and it's this kind of grayish memory, but she knows she's married to some guy named Joe and they have a son named Sam and she can't bear to not have Joe and Sam anymore. So she goes to the top of the building where apparently Joe's first wife, Fran, jumped off and killed herself. That's correct. And then she goes and jumps off of that building. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot. Sorry. Then the next day, Barry goes and meets his ex-wife for brunch because it's their daughter's birthday. And their daughter had passed away about 12 years or so ago due to a hit and run. And then shortly after that, his wife and him divorced, but they still meet every year on Megan's birthday to have brunch and just talk about her and just reminisce and stuff. But he can't seem to get this jumper lady out of his head. So he actually goes and pulls the file and he tracks down this Joe person and he's a real person. He goes to his house and once he's there, Joe and Fran, the first wife that supposedly jumped off the building, is there. And she's very much alive. They let him in. They answer some questions. They seem a little nervous, but they ask him to leave eventually um i'm pretty sure if a detective showed up at my doorstep i would be like i I was like sweating so bad like cotton mouth like wouldn't be able to talk so i'd probably ask him to leave too yeah and on his train ride back into the city he gets a call from joe saying that it all started with an ad in the paper that said would you like a do-over he tells him that there's a basement of some nondescript hotel near a 24-hour diner in the city somewhere so Barry gets off the train and heads directly to that area, finds this place that Joe describes, and he's in a bar, like a hotel bar. He hears a conversation between a couple of men, one saying that he wanted, he wished he would have taken his architectural career further whenever he was younger, and then the other one saying that he wished he, wished he would have done this right or whatever, and they seem like they're getting ready for something, mm-hmm. and Barry's still kind of confused at this point, and then he's given a drink, and that makes him unable to move, because of course he is. I'm completely paralyzed. Completely paralyzed. So once he's like awake, a threatening man makes him describe in detail the day that Megan, his daughter, passed away. He wants to know what he was watching on TV, what it smelled like, what his wife was doing, where things were in the room. He wants like a very vivid picture of what was happening at that point. And the guy says something like, I should kill you, but I'm doing you this favor instead. So all of a sudden, Barry wakes up and he's like watching the baseball game the day that Megan died. And he's like 12 years younger and he notices that he's a lot fitter and his wife is there. Megan comes in and she's like, I want to go to meet my friends. And he's like, whatever. Right. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He's super confused. And he finally realizes this is when she's going to die. Yeah. But all this is happening for Barry on the story for Barry. But... This is not all, it, it, this isn't exactly how it went in the book, though, because it, it jumps back and forth between a different character named 
Helena. Uh, Helena, Helena, or whatever. So I was just about to get to that. Okay. So he realizes that this is the night that Megan dies. So he ends up chasing after her and calling out for her. And as soon as she turns around and talks to him, a sports car goes flying past. And he realizes that's the car that was supposed to kill her. Mm -hmm. So he goes back and basically saves his daughter's life. So this is 2018. Meanwhile, in 2008, Helena Smith is like this super smart scientist. Well, the original part started off in 2018, but whenever he went back, he went back further. See? See how yeah, confusing I know, this is? Yeah, I know. You're right. Yeah, he went back further. So to... we start in 2018. He goes back, what, 12-ish years? So yeah. now he's in 2006. And Helena is in 2008. This is, this is a lot to keep up with. She's working on saving memories for Alzheimer patients. So she feels like if she can catalog the memories at early onset of Alzheimer's with some type of like chair system, like sit the people in a chair and put, I imagine like a colander, you know, all like science, mm. sci-fi things always have like a colander yeah. type thing. Oh, on the maybe head. like a, a perm chair. Yes. Like a beautician chair. Yeah. Yeah. Where mm -hmm. you get a perm. Yeah. I do that whenever I get my hair colored. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she puts the foils in my hair. So I've got like, I've got those foils in my hair. Like I'm trying to capture wavelengths mm -hmm. and then I go sit underneath the heater. Mm. So I look super slap. I'll take a picture next time. Oh, It'll be like oh, my, my recursion photo. Don't. <laughs> I'm sure I have one somewhere. Anyway, so she wants to be able to catalog the patient's memories and then give them back to the patient as the disease progresses. So it sounds like she's doing like, very personal work as her mother has Alzheimer's, but also that sounds pretty cool. I mean, our sister-in-law, Andrea's mama had Alzheimer's yeah, and I feel like to be able to give her back her memories and make her remember things that happened and who her kids were would have just been life-changing for yeah. her. So this sounds like good work, but her grant's about to expire, and a representative from an unknown businessman comes in with an offer she can't refuse. He wants her to come work for him with unlimited funding and access to literally anything she wants or could need. But she'll be working on this, like, old oil rig off the coast of, was it California? I think so. Yeah, West Coast. She will only be allowed limited leave. It sounds like she's going to have to actually give up going to see her parents and everything. And she's like thrown herself into her work. She doesn't really have anything except for her parents. So it's not really a hard decision. She takes the job and she says that she's able to achieve more there in a few months than she did at years in her past job. Her employer turns out to be Marcus Slade, a very wealthy businessman who seems to anticipate what she'll need before she even knows she needs it. So that's kind of strange. She kind of gets like a creepy vibe from yeah, him yeah like she'll go to him and be bit. like i think i need and he'll cut her off and be like oh uh, blah, 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 blah. yeah super computer server thing oh i've already ordered two <laughs> she starts to feel a little creeped out by him but he's never done anything like super crazy to make her feel really weird once she's had a significant breakthrough mapping the memories slade tells helena that she's not allowed to map her mother's memories until she makes something for him He's got a specific goal in mind, and this is kind of when Helena realizes, like, shit might be getting real crazy. He wants her to make this deprivation chamber type thing that they can get in and relive that time. Do you want to explain how it works? All right. So 
they map the memory in the chair. Uh-huh. Okay. And it has to be a very vivid memory. Right. And then they get completely naked and they get into the deprivation chamber. They, Why do they have to get into a deprivation chamber? I guess because it's, you know, there's no... Distractions. There, no distractions, no nothing. But that's... I don't know exactly why they had to do that because, I mean, they're going through the same process. They're putting a, 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 a drug cocktail in them and killing them, basically, in the deprivation chamber. Mm-hmm. Okay. Apparently, whenever you die, you're still... Your brain is still active for, uh, according to this book... Uh, eight minutes or ten minutes or something like that. After Holy you... shit, really? Yeah. No, is that real? That's what it said. Is and... that why, like, if you chop a chicken's head off, it still runs around? Well, that's not... It doesn't have its brain. Oh. That's muscle stuff. But, yeah, they're saying, like, okay. if you die... See? Like, you still have got me twisted. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> when you die, you still have brain activity for like eight to ten minutes right and okay. they're saying that people that are brought back to life they say they see things and stuff is because of this still active brain that's um, so cool to me and there is uh apparently there's a release of a drug in your brain called dmt supposedly in this book when you go back into your previous your previous consciousness or your t- back in time, basically. So they play the memory while you're dying and you wake up in that memory. Yes. It's kind of confusing and I'm not a scientist, so it's hard for me to explain all these scientific things. But I I, know. I understand a lot of it, but for me to try to explain it to somebody, it's hard. Maybe I saw Josh Gates do like DMT in some rainforest or something. Oh, the drug with the indigenous people? Yeah. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was something else. It is a drug that you can't get, and it's uh, like a hallucinogenic type oh, drug. Oh, you should get one. <laughs> get, get one? Get, get get, yeah, yeah, you sound like a drug user. <laughs> Let me take all these pots. <laughs> You know what? I'm just going to let you do that. (laughs) Oh, I'm good. I'm too old for that shit. So another thing about it, though, is that you remember your old life when you wake up in this new memory so you can change things, just like Barry went back and he was able to save his daughter's life. Mm -hmm. The catch, though, there's always a catch, is that when you get back to the day that you went to the deprivation chamber and died, suddenly everyone that knew you is going to get back those old memories. Mm-hmm. So this is why when Anne jumped, she said, don't come near me. Because at that point, the CDC thought that it was like a contagious disease because other people had experienced like the same memories. So it's almost like deja vu, but like more intense. So Helena realizes how dangerous this can be and she does not like it. She tries to stop Marcus and it obviously doesn't work. He's very focused. She ends up using the machine to go back in time before they ever went onto the oil rig closes all her bank account, gets rid of her cell phone, and basically lives off the grid just hiding, always waiting on Slade to come back to get her. Because she's, I mean, he's like the money part of it, but she's the brains. Like, this is her thing. Yeah, she built a chair. He didn't know how to build the chair. Mm -mm. This entire time, you don't spend a lot of time on Barry and a lot of time on Helena. It's like... A couple pages on Barry and then like a paragraph on Helena. It's like very quick. Yeah, you quick. keep going back and forth, back and forth. And you're trying to figure out how this all ties in here in a minute, you know. So you're going back and forth between people and also between years. Right. So actually, Blake Crouch said that he had to keep a whiteboard in his office with 
the timelines. Oh, like a detective draw all the spider webs out no, to all the people. I was more and... thinking like Cisco on Flash this whole time, oh. trying to keep freaking timelines and and shit correct. My brain is very linear, and I need to be in an organized way. Well, I had a hard and that's kind of how. Uh, that's the point of the book. Kind of how he put time is because time is not linear as most people think it is. I like the Einstein quote at the end. Now he has departed from the strange world a little ahead of me. That means nothing. People like us who believe in physics know that the distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. Einstein said that about his friend Michelle Besso. Well, I can't do anything about that illusion. <laughs> right. It's completely linear for all <laughs> intents and purposes. <laughs> right. Now, that's kind of almost like the background to this book. Like all this is happening and it's like action packed and stuff, but you need to know all that so that we can we can get to this part of the book. All right, we're back to Barry. And meanwhile, Megan has grown up. She's graduated from college. She started a new career. He and his wife got a divorce anyway, even though he thought that was all due to Megan dying. So he realizes they were just going to drift away. They come to the day that Barry got into the deprivation chamber originally, and they get their memories back. They realize that Megan should have died, and they have like a super hard time dealing with this. Mm -hmm. And also all their friends and family that knew him, they all start freaking out, and they start calling them, asking if Megan's dead, and like what happened to her. Also, this huge building just appears. Out of nowhere. Just out of nowhere. And everyone that's in there, the middle of New York City. There's like live reporters, and the reporter's like, I don't know what's happening. And then Megan's like, But you took me to that building for lunch on my 13th birthday, or like something like that. Mm -hmm. So she's like, Has memories of the building, but also the building is just brand new there. So this was that guy that he overheard in the hotel whenever he first went saying he wished he would have done more with his life architecturally. Mm -hmm. They went to the deprivation chamber on the same day. Oh, that's right. So, okay. So See, sometimes I don't, I didn't even put two and two together with that part. So, and then that guy ends up dead like later that day. Mm. They said you can make changes, but nothing big, which honestly saving your daughter's life seems like a big change to me. I mean, it's not as big as, I mean, Personally, it's bigger than a building to right. me to save my daughter's I life. Mean, what do you consider big changes? Like if I decide to not pursue the career that I was in and pursue an architectural career, it doesn't seem like a big change, but then you create a building. Mm -hmm. You know, that wasn't there before, then that is a big change, you know? But, I don't know. Maybe we should get uh, new careers and see like how that changes our lives. Butterfly effect type shit, you know? <sighs> you, you never know exactly what's going to happen. Oh, that was a good movie. I forgot about that movie. Mm -hmm. We should watch that. Mm. Yeah, it's classic. Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> <laughs> I never watch movies and then I'm like, butterfly effect. <laughs> Although I did want to watch old, I, I seem to pick like the worst movies. Remember that time I picked out Mother oh, to watch? God. That was terrible. Yeah, I can't. This is why I don't watch movies. I'll pick out shitty ones. Anyway, Megan can't handle. She like cannot deal with knowing that she died in the past. So Barry comes clean. He's not supposed to tell them what happened, but Barry tells Megan and Julia what happened about everything. Him going to the hotel and getting in the deprivation chamber and changing time and Megan just cannot handle this. So she ends up committing suicide. So she's dead anyway. Yep. So, he so he's still divorced. His daughter's still dead. Even though he got more time with both of them. Right. Um, pretty much the same outcome. And then pretty much as soon as Megan dies, Helena shows up in Barry's world explaining that they know each other from a previous timeline. 
in that they have to do something about Slade and the device. Well, didn't didn't he go back to the... Did she just show up? I'm not uh, sure. Yeah, I didn't remember. I thought, no, he got super pissed off, I thought. And he went to go do something about it. I thought he went to go like... I think he went to go do something about it and she showed up across the street and stopped him and said, we've already tried this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've already done this before and it doesn't work. Yeah. So, yeah, this book, because there's so much that happens, it's so hard to keep things straight. Oh, and also like the time jumping is also a little confusing. Mm -hmm. They go to the building and they try to destroy it, but they're intercepted and it ends up in government hands. Helena is still not okay. Is that the second time that they try to do it or is it the first? (laughs) i'm not sure i can't remember either i thought it was the first but it wouldn't surprise me if they had to try it again you know what helena is restarting the timelines so he got shot in the face the first time right but we're learning this from barry's (laughs) perspective so to barry it's the first time but to helena this might be the fourth or fifth time like yeah you you know what i mean yeah (sighs) this is not good podcasting by the way no Ends up in government hands. Helena's not okay with using the device, but the government wants to use this device to anticipate and stop things from happening. So they kind of form this committee, and Helena stays on the committee because she's almost like the voice of reason. Like, there's a committee, and something will happen. Somebody the next day or, you know, within the week brings in a file and says, I think we should go back and do this. And we're all going to vote on it. Yeah. And it was it was in the hands of a very secret organization in the federal government, which is DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects or whatever. Yes. Which is very compartmentalized. And yeah, it started off very benign. We want to try to fix some wrongs. Right. The first thing that they brought in was they had this guy who was raping and murdering little girls. So he brings in the file and he said, last night... The man goes in and he assaults the seven-year-old in her bedroom and kills her and leaves her there. We know he goes in through the bedroom window. We could have someone waiting on him and then just take him out, mm-hmm. save the little girl, stop all these murders from happening. I'm pretty sure literally everyone on the planet would be like, yes, that's a good idea. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Would you say no to that mm-hmm. one? No, no, that sounds good. That sounds like a good thing. So they say yes to that. And then I think they end up stopping a school shooting. And it's all things that happen kind of small scale. But eventually, like the big guns call in and they want to use this for military missions. Yeah, they figure it out. They figure out somebody's doing something because after the school shootings. And I think stuff, there's like six then, or seven things. People end up with these false memories of these things happening. So... I think the federal government gets wind that somebody's altering and doing something. So they're calling around, figuring out which department, because they know it's, it's something to do with the military, is doing something with time. So you can, you can definitely see the good in this, but you can also see where this would be bad. Like, where do you stop? You know, like, how do you decide? I know they had their committee, and that's, like, how they decided. Yeah, they but had like, some kind of set parameters and everything with them. But, yeah, it would be hard to try to figure out exactly what kind of limitations to put on it like they didn't want to do anything too too big right this is kind of like a spoiler head for spider-man if you've not seen the newest spider-man skip ahead 15 seconds but like when spider-man goes he gets dr strange to help him like go back in time so his friends can get into college yeah that's a really fucking stupid reason to change time right i'm sorry fucking dumb the whole the movie was fun to watch but the premise of it was stupid 
I understand getting into MIT is a big deal to someone, but it's a big deal to someone. Right. So like Not how the do you entire population? Right, right. Right. How do you decide yeah. what to do? So the military wants to use use this device for a mission that happened almost a hundred days ago. It's a large scale mission. It's a long time ago. When those memories hit a bunch of people, then there's gonna be a lot of false memories going around. Mm-hmm. Then eventually they end up with false memories. And they know they didn't go back in time and do it. So they realize that the plans for this chair have been leaked. So there's possibly many chairs and many deprivation chambers. And they don't know who has it. They're saying like the Russians and the Chinese and these terrorist organizations. Yeah, it gets leaked on like WikiLeaks and, you know. Right. So now there's like all sorts of people who are going back in time and changing changing shit around. Which was one of Helena's biggest fears. Then other countries say that they've got nukes ready and... If they continue use of the chair, that they're going to use them. So Barry and Helena know they have to go back to before this time to try to fix it. Right. They use the chair. Yeah. She convinces the committee to let her use the chair and allow her to go back further than anybody's ever gone back so that she can create the earliest timeline to try to stop everything from going on. So she ends up going back to when she's 16, when she, you know, I don't know, when she's first like using her dad's truck for the first time or something. She goes back in time and this happens over and over and over. And every single time it ends up with Helena finding Barry at a bar saying, you look like you'd like to buy me a drink. And then her explaining to him what happens and then him just taking her word for it because he doesn't have any memories of this at this point. And them trying to figure out a solution to this. And then the day he gets his memories back, they get nuked over and over and over. And right. it doesn't matter. Because everybody's getting the, the false the, the false memories of the previous timelines of the schematics for the chairs. Russia and China are getting them. And then they're like sending over the freaking missiles. It happens so much. That I'm like, you know what? We could just let everyone die. That's a good way to end this book. <laughs> it keeps going back and back and again and again. And it describes like their skin yeah. falling off their yeah. faces. So the he's news. like a brand new person every time. And she, at this point, she's lived for like, I don't know, 140 years or even longer, you know? Because uh, I think they did it like six or seven times. But not only that, but whenever the people get their memories back on that day they get back like the six or seven times that she's gone back so they they get back like not just one old timeline they get back like several timelines yeah Yeah. so every time it happens it's like catastrophic around the world like people jumping out of that's why on the cover did you look at the cover Mm. it's got someone like jumping out of a building and you can like turn it upside down and it's the same picture it's like an infinity sign and it's got someone jumping yeah out of a building so they they actually describe people jumping out of buildings because they can't handle these memories and these things that are going on right so yeah it's not only the memories from their from their times but i mean these people are remembering getting nuked yeah i remember their yes their, their faces melting off you know several times so i imagine it to be like a straight horizontal line okay and then towards the end of that line, you kind of come off and you go down diagonally a little bit. Mm. And then off of that one, you kind of come off and you go down diagonally yeah. a little bit. Uh. So to me, I'm picturing like the worst split end of your hair <laughs> that you could ever find. Sometimes I find them and I'm like, ooh, this is a really good like tree branch split end. And that's exactly what this book reminded me of, my split ends. Yeah. <laughs>
Finally, when the book looks like my worst split ends, Barry and Helena find Slade and Slade tells them the key. They have to go back to a false memory before yeah. anything ever happened. Yeah, so Slade had originally told Helena that you, know, you had to map a memory for you to go be able to go back to that memory. But Slade told Helena that you can't map a false memory, which was technically not true. No, he... She had already been able to map a false memory, but he went back in time and erased that from happening, so she didn't remember it. He killed her. Or... He killed her in one of the timelines. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) One of the timelines he did, yes. So Slade says, you have to go back in time... And stop me from killing Helena the first time. Yeah. You have to go to the original timeline mm-hmm. and just stop it all from happening. They end up, Barry and Helena have lived a couple more lives or something. And they end up in Antarctica this time. They also move. Like one time they're in the desert. And then one time they're in Colorado. Yeah, and then one, one time, time they're in California. And then one yeah, time they're in Antarctica. Scotland, yeah. So they live all over the world. So this last final timeline, so this is like their last shot. Helena's gone back in time so many times that her body is just done. So she actually dies before Yeah, I Barry think her brain, his... she just kind of loses it, I think. Well, and also she's lived like, what, 200 years at this point? Yeah. So she dies before Barry gets back those memories. So he's still like on just on trusting her mm-hmm. and working on the chair type yeah. life. So he decides he's just going to kill himself. So he goes and takes a bunch of, like, Oxycontin or something, Mm -hmm. and he's, like, ready to kill himself, but then he gets his memories back. He remembers that Slade said, you have to go back to the original timeline and Mm -hmm. stop me from doing it. So he gets up all, like, he's like, oh, shit, I got, like, 15 minutes. What I thought was crazy is they, they are living these lives together for, you know, 30 years. At a time. Yeah. And they did it like six times and they trying to think of all this stuff to do to try to fix the situation and they can't fix it. But it seems like every time Barry gets his memory back, he's able to fix the situation in like the 30 minutes that he has between between getting his memories back and dying again Uh each time, you know, like, and then he remembers and then he gets the memory back and then he like, you know, yeah. And it's like, he's done more in an hour and a half than they did than they did in uh, 140 years, (laughs) you know? Yeah, that's because, because he, he thought about Slade. He tried to get Slade. He couldn't, couldn't get Slade. He called G wound, uh, which was a, Technicians or like technicians lab, or, lab yeah, techs to call him. Then it finally got with Slade and then had to get the information from Slade while Helena was killing herself in the deprivation chamber again. You know, it it was crazy, but it seemed like to me I thought it was funny because he he did more in like an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, but, every thirty know, years, right? Than they did in however many years they were trying to fix it, two hundred years or whatever it was. Eventually, Barry goes back on his, like, he's taken all these Oxycontins, and he gets himself into the deprivation chamber. He goes back. He finds Slade and kills him. Essentially, this is like a love story. This is like a great Valentine's Day book, because all he wants to do is spend his life avoiding nukes with the love of his life, Helena. So then he goes to the bar, and he finds Helena, and he's contemplating what to say, and then he says... He doesn't say anything. They don't tell you. you. It tells you. Yeah, it says. He says. Oh, that was really aggravating to me because I was like, oh, this yeah. is going to be so Because sweet. every time at the bar, she would always meet him at the bar. He didn't have any memory of it. They were like 
lovers been together for hundreds of years and every time she'd walk up and she'd say you look like you want to buy me a drink so he's trying to figure out how to get her attention and he's thinking about it and then it never tells you what like that's the hard part mr crouch you wrote all that sciencey shit and you can't figure out what a man says to a woman at a bar right right <laughs> and then he's talking about freaking neutrinos and gluons and muons and okay. you know i'm surprised he didn't bring in quarks and higgs boson and all that kind of stuff i but don't even know what you're saying are you making some... up words <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i am now i could follow the book but he did have a lot of sciencey stuff to explain it which i don't know if him smart yeah or if i'm just so dumb that i'm just like oh yep makes sense to me like, let me just follow. Well, I'm that. sure he did his research. And, I mean, I don't have a degree in anything. Do but you think if Sheldon Cooper read this book, he would be like, oh, bullshit, because such and such and uh, such and probably such. Probably so. But okay. that's Sheldon Cooper. Okay. So, all of us Leonards in the world. Yes. <laughs> that's the end of the book. What did you think about it? Did you like it? I did. I liked it. It was a little... It was kind of hard to grasp some of the stuff. Like... Feel like at one part early on in the book I had it, and then something happened later on in the book, and I had to like flip back like fifty pages, and I went back and read something again, and I was like, okay, yeah, I got it, and then later on I lost it, and I like it completely shut off for the whole rest of the book for me, but it was a fun read, and I enjoyed it because I haven't read a book in such a long time, so it was it was a new experience. Yeah, it was a brand new experience. Same. I had to do the same thing because it was like they would explain the science <clears throat> in a way that was, it was like whenever you wake up from a dream and you can kind of grasp at that dream, but then you go to explain it to someone and like it slips away. Mm -hmm. That's how this book felt. So I had to do the same thing and go back and try to reread parts. And the way that we explained it just now made complete sense. But he used a lot of science terms mm. and words that I've never yeah. heard before. And just like, you're just supposed to know it. Right. So, yeah. And For I the, think that was kind of the point is like, let me use these sciencey words. People will kind of get the point that they're, they're smart in their field. And they'll kind of get the point from the other stuff. You know, like you don't have to be a scientist to read the book. So, if you could go back in time... What memory, like what? You have to pick a very vivid memory. Oh so what memory? Memory would you go back to? So I think prob probably the correct answer would be the, the day I met you on, on this oh Valentine's God. episode. But in reality, uh, what I took from this book would probably lead me to say that I would not go back in time because I felt like this book was almost leading you into not worrying about so much of the things that happened in the past and trying to change those because you can't really change those and to just live every day like, right, it's, like it's your last day. You yeah, know? the things that Barry went back to change, his daughter dying and his wife divorcing him, those right. things still happened anyway. Right, because you never know how things are going to turn out, you know? So, so I'm a very firm believer in everything happens for a reason. It's everything's going to turn out right. Yeah. And I've, I've felt like that for a long time. So When I was listening to the podcast earlier with his interview, he was talking about trying to get published and how he was trying to become an author. And he tried to sell one of his novels as a comic. And it didn't end up working out. 
and they were like, oh, well, how'd you feel about that? And he said, you know, not, not really bad because he said, I've heard before, you never know what worse luck your bad luck has saved you from. So it's mm. like things that you think are really bad at the time yeah. could really be saving you from yeah. something that's like really right. bad, which I thought was funny that he said that because he's talking, he was on there to talk about his newest book, Upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. And that really went with the recursion thing because the whole point of the recursion is, would you like a do-over? Right. Right. And, and, you know, if you ask different people, they might say yes. But like for, for me personally, I've made, you know, a lot of bad mistakes and, and, no. and screwed up plenty <laughs> in my life. But I wouldn't change any of those because they have led me to exactly where I'm at right this second. And I love where I'm at right this second. Same. Like, I wish that I had been maybe more involved in high school and done, like, more of the things, like, as a kid. I wish I had done more kid things or, like, even more, like, college things. Like, I wish I would have lived in a dorm whenever I was in college. But it's not stuff that would, like, make or break me now. It's not stuff that I would go back and change. Yeah. So there's things that I, like, I regret. Like, oh, I wish I would have done that. Right. But nothing, like, super life-changing. Would If you would have lived in a dorm in college, would you be, like, a CEO of a company right now? I think I would have just, You never like, know, like, what would have happened. The butterfly effects from that, you know? Right. Well, Maybe you would have built a building. There'd be a building on the corner. Well, when I went to college, I lived with people from my high school that wasn't in Baton Rouge. So I stayed with a bunch of the same people. And some of my friends that ended up living in the dorms, they met people from all over the place. Mm -hmm. And they were completely outside of our little high school circle, whereas I stayed in it. Mm -hmm. So I definitely would have been in a different circle if you were able to branch out. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make our kids live in a dorm. They're going to hate me for it. That's expensive. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to live at home. But, okay, so you don't have to change anything, but do you have, like, a very vivid memory that you could map? Um, I mean, I could probably think of a few if I had to, like, vivid vivid memories. I think they said, like, pain's a good one. Yeah. Pain's a good memory because it's it's, it's really involved. Pain? I don't know. I remember that time I burnt my hand not too long ago, a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty painful. You just grabbed the skillet. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I grabbed it out of the oven. That's stupid. Yeah, that was so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I got a bad review from Goodreads. It's from Moonkissed. They gave it two stars, and it says, How many times can we go over the many ways to die on a timeline? Death porn? Is that a thing? What was it? Death Death porn? A death porn. Uh, I'm sure it is somewhere. Yeah, definitely. We could probably find some. You never underestimate people's kinks. So how many stars would you give this book? Let's see. Is this based off of your new star rating or your old star rating? (laughs) I don't know. Just give it some fucking stars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd give it a three and a half. Oh, with the halves, huh? Yeah, I'll go with a half. I thought it was a good book. So I would consider myself average intelligence. Uh Uh-huh. And to think that if I'm average if there's a lot of people that are below average intelligence Uh then i don't know if they would understand it we had trouble keeping up with the timelines and everything it was a lot so i uh, think we got the gist of the story though and i think that's what matters i don't think it's for everyone okay i gave it three stars because Mm. i don't like halves oh but i was torn between three and four and i literally thought i wish i gave halves Mm -hmm. with this book i like to be accurate so <laughs> All right. I mean, I, it really is like a 3.6. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can give it whatever you want to. It was very plot driven. 
he even said this in his interview that he's noticed that a lot of books are character driven and he doesn't like that. He doesn't like to cheat, so to say, with the internal fluff. Yeah. So he wants a lot of plot and he wants a lot of action. And if he gives you something that's like internally with a character, he's literally said he wants it to be devastating. So it's got to be something like some life realization for it to be some kind of internal thing. I feel like you got a lot of that towards the end of the book with Barry and stuff. Yeah. yeah. There was just a lot of plot and not a whole lot of character development. Like you got that he loved his daughter. Didn't so much really get that he loved his wife. His daughter dies and immediately they go and try to kill Slade. So it's like your daughter just died. Yeah. You know, so like, there's but it was whole... but his daughter had died for the second time. You think that's any easier? Mm, no, but so it's just a lot of plot and a lot of action, and it was hard. It was almost hard to like catch your breath. It's like the whole book was cardio, and sometimes I need a break from cardio. Let's see, and it did to me get a little monotonous at the end and really confusing. But I kind of also think that's what made it good. Yeah, it you was know? yeah, it was kind of a fast-paced book. I also really love the time travel aspect because, you know, I'm like into time travel and like magic-y I'm things. into time travel. I'm into it. You're so I'm into making time like travel. TikToks. No, I mean, I like books that No, yeah, you I like, like fantasy books. Yes. yes. Things that aren't real. And I like the science aspect. It seems like it was really hard to write. Like he probably had to do a lot of research to be able to write those sentences where he's explaining that shit. And, like, that's hard. So, like, I admire that, you know? Admire it. He got a big old brain, I guess. Right. And he might... Or he's got some good friends. He might already have a sort of a scientific background. You don't know. Well, I do know because he studied English and creative writing when he was in college. Okay. Maybe he was in a lab at some point in there. Yeah. Maybe he minored in in science. Maybe he did. Maybe so. Maybe maybe that's his hobby. Can you call him up and ask him? No, I'm not calling that guy. (laughs) What's up, Holly? (laughs) <laughs> okay got anything else to say about it i can't wait for the netflix series oh, i'll really? watch it i'll watch it are you ready to be a full-time podcaster no i'm gonna leave that to you and misty um i appreciate you having me on uh-huh. but um this will be the only time that you hear from me mm, what about father's day no what about your birthday no what about my birthday nope you said i didn't even give me my trees for my last I'm birthday get them <laughs> All right, Misty will be back next time. Thank God. And we're doing a Court of Thorns and Roses. Until then, you can follow us on socials. Catch her on Instagram. And Twitter. And not so much Facebook, but like sometimes I'm there. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. All right, bye. Peace. I feel like I'm droning on and you're not really. Uh, well, this is my first podcast. Do you need another shot of Fireball, sir? <laughs> I'm so nervous. Are you really? Uh, I just don't know. <laughs> like, I read the book. Here I am.